Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell and I am an exercise physiologist and personal trainer and I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs. I've been in business for the past 28 years. This podcast, The Method to the Madness, is all about what is new and what is trendy in the realm of health and fitness and what there are actually substantial methods behind and what is just simply madness. I like to explore those things with you and educate you on these things because, hey, we need it and it's fun. This podcast is brought to you by Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow and over 100 million in sales between the two. You know what that means? That means they're pretty damn good. They can be reached at 386-451-2412. All right, so in the last episode I covered, is there really a method behind what mode of strength training that you use or is it just random madness? And I answered that. And if you didn't listen, go back and find out because there is an answer. Today I'm gonna talk about rep ranges. If you pick up any workout book, magazine, or really even like on your social media feed, there might be advisors telling you what to do. And there might be prescribed a very specific rep range. For those that don't know what reps are, that basically means how many times you're doing the exercise. So an exercise prescription is built around sets. That's how many times you do a particular exercise. Reps, that's how many times that you do that. At the time, load, that's how heavy or how much resistance you have. Rest, that's how long you take in between exercises or sets. It's important to have a general understanding of those things, but let me explain to you real quick. Your body doesn't ultimately know the difference in regards to all of that. There are two main systems that your body utilizes to replenish its ATP stores. ATP stands for adenosine triphosphate. It's the currency of your cells, all right? So it's like the money in your bank account. It's the currency for your cells. It's the only thing small enough that your muscles can use for energy. So it's critical. And we have a very limited supply of ATP in each muscle group, in each area. For example, we only have enough for about two or three seconds worth of work. You ready? That was me snapping my fingers five times. By the time I hit my fifth, I was already out of ATP in that particular area. So that would be the thumb muscle, the other middle finger muscle. I was out of ATP. Well, if I'm out of ATP, then how was I able to continue to snap my fingers? Because more ATP is being produced either aerobically, which means in the presence of oxygen with fat being the main driver to produce more ATP or anaerobically, not in the presence of oxygen where carbohydrates is being utilized to produce more ATP. Okay, so how does your body make that decision? 
Well, the decision is innate. It's all driven by intensity and time. Intensity and time, okay? So, it's common sense to say that the harder you go, then the less length of time you're going to be able to go, right? So if you go really hard, you can't go really long. So if I snapped my fingers as vigorously as possible, I would not be able to maintain that speed of snap for very long. If I kind of timed it out and did a easy snap, rest, easy snap, rest, I could do that all day. So I would be relying upon the aerobic system, which is very slow, but very steady to replenish my ATP. But if I sprinted at my snap or anything else, I can't rely on that aerobic system. It doesn't produce ATP quick enough to stay up with the demands. So I have to go to an anaerobic substrate, which means carbohydrates is being burned for fuel and we're going to run out of gas very quickly and the ATP can't keep up with that either, so we fatigue, all right? So, what does that have to do with rep ranges? Everything. Strength training is an anaerobic exercise, no matter if you pick body weight, machines, free weights, dumbbells, resistance bands. It's meant to be anaerobic. We are in our anaerobic metabolism for roughly 30 seconds to 90 seconds. That's it. That's our anaerobic window. After that, we rely upon aerobic metabolism to provide more ATP. So that's really kind of crazy to think about, right? Because you think of aerobic, you think, oh, well, you know, 30-minute run. Well, that's all true. But your aerobic system begins as early as 90 seconds to 2 minutes, as early as that. Anything beyond that is still aerobic, just to lesser intensities. So everything basically is just levels of intensity. That's why it's kind of silly if you follow triathlons, and I do, and I do them, and the shorter triathlons are called sprint triathlons, and they still take the average person, you know, say the average person, I guess, 75 minutes to complete it, and the fastest person like around 52 minutes to do it, well, obviously, that's not a sprint. That's a lot longer than 90 seconds, right? So the terminology we use sometimes in health and fitness and sport doesn't really match what it is, but anaerobic is sprint in the true sense of the word. So any strength training we do is meant to be done under 90 seconds, under 90 seconds per set, all right? So again, what does this have to do with rep ranges? Has everything to do with rep ranges, all right? So in truth, the body only knows time and intensity. It can't count the reps, right? And everybody's different. When I used to teach sports medicine, I used to illustrate this for the class because, you know, as they say, a picture is worth a thousand words. So I would have two of the students go back to back to each other where they couldn't see what the other one is doing. And they would both grab the same size dumbbells, let's say 15 pounders in each hand, both of them. 
they would stand back to back and I would tell them whatever comfortable rep range or rep speed, I'm sorry, that they use, they should use. And I told them to do 15 repetitions, each arm, each person. So they did. And just like I knew it would play out because no two individuals are the same, it took one of the individuals roughly 10 seconds, a little bit over, to complete his 15 reps because he did them very fast. It took the other one double the time to complete his. So I looked at the class and I said, so is 15 reps really equal? Now, some of them still looked a little confused. The others said, well, no, like this guy over here took twice as long. I said, okay, so then who's really getting the better workout in that particular scenario? Now, the ones who got it said, well, the guy that took just as long. Like, right. So rep ranges don't matter. It comes down to how long the muscle was being stimulated. Now, doesn't that make sense? If a muscle is being stimulated within reason, because again, if it goes beyond 90 seconds, you're getting more aerobic, which means the intensity was too low. The threshold needed to be higher. But if, if it's up to 90 seconds, doesn't that just make sense that that person is stressing that particular muscle group harder than the person that's doing 60 seconds? Well, the answer is yes. And that doesn't mean 90 seconds is better, by the way. What it really means is that anywhere in there, if the person hits what we used to call muscular failure, but again, everybody uh, just gets so weird about terms these days, even my industry, the fitness industry, got weird about it and said, let's not use muscular failure anymore, even though that's what it is. The muscle group fails. If you're doing a leg extension machine and you're working your quads and your quads can no longer lift the load, the full range of motion, the muscle belly failed. That's what you want. But then it was stated, well, that's such a negative connotation and we should be like, it's a positive thing to fail. I'm like, well, of course, but do you really think people are that stupid that they think you're calling them a failure because they hit muscular failure? Ah, boy, people. So anyway, so the term switched to volitional fatigue. Didn't that sound so much better? Volitional means within your control and fatigue instead of failure, volitional fatigue. Okay, whatever, right? The bottom line is they have to be taken to whatever term you want to use it to fatigue. If it's fatigued within 90 seconds, that muscle is going to adapt and come back stronger the next time, period. So in a sense, it doesn't matter. And there is no truth to say if you go to 90 seconds, you're getting like more definition. If you're going to 30 seconds, you're getting more bulk. All of that is fooey. It's not true. If the muscles are fatigued in the anaerobic window, they're going to get stronger, period. That's the method. That's the method. If you believe anything else, you're believing the madness, okay? Now, I want you to think of cyclists. I use this example a lot because I follow the sport and they have incredible quads, right? If you look at a cyclist, they have incredible quads. So, you know, I mean, the average person is going to say, well, yeah, they get that from their bike. Yeah, that's true. The person who overthinks it says, oh, they must go to the gym a lot, do leg extensions, squats, lunges, etc. And they might. <laughs> 
the funny thing is the average person's closer to the truth. They do have those legs because they bike. Now, you are going to get some slow twitch muscle fiber development and even some fast twitch muscle fiber development at lower intensities. You're just not going to get maximal. But here's the deal. They get those great chiseled quads from doing hard efforts, anaerobic efforts. So let's say they have to sprint up a steep hill and they have to go as fast as they can because they're in a race. Well, their quads are going to be on fire and they're going to get them very anaerobic until they can't anymore. Then they'll shift to aerobic metabolism, then they'll recover, and they might have to do it again. But that's how their quads are getting so greatly developed. That is a strength exercise on the bike. That's an anaerobic exercise on the bike. Now, silly question. Do you think they're counting their pedal strokes as they're climbing the hill? I mean, they might be, but not for this silly reason. I think they're going, oh, I got to get in 25 reps. One, two, three, four. There we go. All right. 15, 16. Oh, good. All right. I'm going to get huge 16 reps. Of course not. They're not counting. The body's not counting. The body only knows it's being stimulated for a certain amount of time. They went anaerobic. Okay. So I think I debunked the myth that there's a perfect rep range. So you might ask, then why are there rep ranges? Okay. Very simple. People don't walk around the gym with their stopwatches and many of them are numbers oriented. I'm not saying that's best. I mean, some people who really get this don't worry about it and they just have like an instinctual mind that knows like they're nowhere close to 90 seconds and they'll put it put a load on a certain machine and they'll just go until they hit failure and uh, you know, their, their internal clock tells them that they were over 30 seconds and not quite at 90, or they might have a, a general idea and they go to failure. And yeah, they're going to get an absolute fantastic workout on that particular exercise by doing that. That's fine. But a lot of people aren't going to just walk around with stopwatches and time it. So exercise professionals needed to kind of fine tune that. Now, this is given the good side, the benefit of the doubt. And then I'll explain what I mean in a second. So they wanted to give people rep ranges that will get them within that 30 to 90 seconds. And that's pretty much what they did. So if you see some of the rep recommendations, say for strength and mass, meaning that the guys who really gonna want to get big and strong. So they're going to say between six and 10 repetitions. Okay, is that all bad? No, because they're also telling you they should keep the reps speed around six seconds per rep. All right, so six times six is 36, mm, right in that anaerobic window, right? 10 times six is 60, there you go. So they're getting in that window. And then you might have the same thing with 10 to 12 reps, right? So then you're going to get 60 seconds to 72 seconds. There you go, bing, bang, boom. So they came up with rep ranges and eight to 12 is the most common. So that puts you at 48 to 72 seconds right in that anaerobic window. That's the good side, meaning that's the side that says, well, that's all true about time under load. That's all true about the anaerobic system. Reps don't matter, but people don't wanna walk around with stopwatches so if we give them a rep range and then tell them how fast to do the rep, they're going to do what they need to do more simply. And you know what? 
Amen to that. That's exactly right, and that's what we utilize here at the gym. So we will tell you rep ranges because we also are monitoring your rep speed, and we're going to make sure you're doing it right with perfect form, of course, or the best form you can do. And we're giving you a number because it pushes you. But ultimately, we know it's time under load. But as long as we're following the other part of the prescription, again, how long you're under failure and are you using good form, then we know it's going to work. Now, some people that we know very well work with forever, you know, we can get a little more looser on that and say, hey, Jimmy, go to failure over here. Just, you know what to do, put it on that load, keep good form and go till you can. And for people that aren't numbers oriented, that works great. I'd say more people are numbers oriented than not. So there's that. What's best doesn't matter. Body doesn't know the difference. Whatever motivates you to do your best is best. Now, following up on that comment I made a few minutes ago when I said that's with the best intentions. Now, in the other case, some people just don't know. There are agencies out there, organizations that really just believe in the rep myth, meaning they believe that there is something magical about a certain rep range and they don't think it matters at all what the rep speed is. I don't know how they can really justify that and no exercise science. But there are some that say, oh no, six reps are gonna give is gonna give you maximal strength, maximal strength. And 15 reps is gonna give you more muscular endurance. And you ask them, well, what about, does it matter how long it takes you to do them? No, it doesn't. I mean, that just defies exercise physiology. That just does not make sense at all. Now, there is something to rep speed. We know that if you explode faster, you're going to engage and initiate your fast switch muscle fibers more than if you go slowly. But all of that doesn't matter if you're taking the exercise or muscle group to failure. None of it matters because when you go to failure, that means you recruited every muscle fiber, fast twitch and slow twitch in that particular region. End of story. So then it doesn't matter how fast you went and it's safer to go moderately slower. I mean, everybody has their optimal rep speed, but studies have shown you're far less likely to get injured doing strength training which is still a very low risk endeavor, by the way, if you go slowly. People don't get hurt by loads. That's another thing that kind of bugs me. Oh, I went too heavy and got hurt. I'd argue, no, you didn't. You went too fast and got hurt with heavy weights because if you're truly using heavy weights, you're going a lot slower. And if you're being mindful of that, you're not trying a load that you can't handle. So rep speed matters in the sense of safety. Now, let me give you a cool little peer-reviewed study that was done. They took a group of people and they, so this is cool for the, the body weight people, the, uh, you know, the people that don't have access to machines and free weights and barbells. And what they did was, and I'll explain why in a second. What they did was they wanted to look at like if really high reps in the anaerobic windows still was worse than low reps in the anaerobic window. So in other words, six really heavy reps of whatever exercise, let's say a squat, versus super high rep body weight squats at the higher end, like 90 seconds. So, you know, some people can rep out well over 100, 125 maybe even 
body weight squats in 90 seconds, right? They can just, they just got this amazing speed and they can do that. So we're, we're comparing essentially six reps versus say 125. I mean, I think I can even go higher with some people. I'm just keeping it reasonable. What they found was it didn't matter. If the person got to failure within it, within the time frame, 30 to 90 seconds, they're gonna get the same strength and muscular hypertrophy and neurological adaptation gains, the same. So let's say you're out on a, a trip somewhere, you don't have access to your fancy equipment. Say, well, I'm gonna do like fast body weight squats as many as I can get in 90 seconds and really push myself. You're gonna get a great strength adaptation as you will if you did the same thing with push-ups. So if you understand the method to the madness, you're going to understand how to efficiently and effectively strength train. And, and so, but that's not against the people who really like to train heavy either. I mean, I like to do that sometimes. And, you know, I grew up doing that. People, oh man, I wanna lift this heavy weight. Oh, no, no. Okay, so if you, know, you like to do that, you lift heavy weights, you hit failure closer to the 30 second realm and you're using heavier loads, you know, feel more challenged, great, you can do that too. So the study indicated that, that it didn't matter at what spectrum you were on, as long as you were in the anaerobic metabolism and went to muscular failure, okay? Which makes you far from a failure. It makes you tough. It's not easy to go to failure. I mean, some of my toughest clients like will take a 10, not a 10, they'll take a two or three second rest in the middle of the set, you know, and then continue it on. Now, as long as they get the failure, that's fine. I mean, obviously we could rest too much and then it becomes not really a set anymore, but that's not really the case in, in these cases. So it's not easy to go to failure at all. It takes a lot of guts. It's hard. So once you can reach it with a given load and let's say you're over the 90 seconds, you just simply need to increase that load, which is where body weight exercises become a little more challenging if you become super strong because you may be able to exceed the 90 seconds and still not fatigue. There's still ways to get there though. I mean, there's very little uh, you know, subtle ways that you can slow it down at certain points, speed it up at certain point, but you know, that's, that's, don't let that paralysis of analysis slow you down. If you're on vacation and want to get a great workout in, just bust out some body weight squats and push ups and lunges. And I guarantee you, you will not slide back. You will slide forward because you're doing exactly what you need to do within the anaerobic window. And there's absolutely no question about that. Okay. So is there a method to the madness? Absolutely, there's a method to the madness. And the method is go to failure within your anaerobic window of 30 to 90 seconds with the most effective exercises you have. What about rep ranges? Is that all just madness? Yes, it is, it's all madness. But it serves a purpose in the sense of, as I said, you're not gonna wanna walk around with stopwatches or you may not want to. And some people are numbers oriented, so we came up with the rep ranges to help people with that. And as long as they're following the same cadence, meaning how long it takes them to do per rep and staying within the rep range that keeps them between 30 and 90 seconds, then it is absolutely a win-win. All right, next up on the agenda, I want you to tune in because I'm gonna cover 
the method to the madness of long, long endurance training. Is there a method behind it? Or is it just outright madness? All right. So let me thank our second sponsor, the Istanbul Turkish Mediterranean Cuisine on South Young Street in Ormond Beach, Florida. Great salads, great healthy options. Check them out. They do takeout. You can make an order on IstanbulFlorida.com. Until next time, be max fit and be max well.